This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. With each passing year, as we all grow older and hopefully somewhat wiser, one of the things that most people face is the inability to remember what we want to remember. Is it ever good to forget? Well, maybe so. This morning we're going to be thinking about things to forget. If you or one of your loved ones is having problems with memory, then just maybe God has a special message for you in what I trust is God's Word this morning for us all. Thank you for worshiping with us today from Ocean Lakes Family Campground. An absent-minded college professor got ready to go to his work one morning. His wife met him at the door to say goodbye. And as he left, she said to him, Now, honey, don't forget. He said, Forget what? Don't forget, honey, we are moving today. You don't want to come back here to this house. You want to come home to our new house, she said to her husband. Oh, he said, darling, I would never forget that. So the absent-minded college professor went on to his class, taught all day long. When classes were over, he packed his briefcase and got ready to go back home. Then he thought, I see now, what was it I was supposed to remember today? He went through all the little gimmicks he had used to remember things, all the mental hooks, but nothing worked. So he said, well, I guess I'll think of it as I drive home. When he got home, he still could not remember. He got up to the front door and was knocking on the door. He didn't have a key. Still was unable to remember what it was. Nobody answered the knock on the door. So he looked in the window, and then it hit him. Oh, he said, I remember. We're moving. I wonder where. And so after pondering that for a minute, he said, surely somebody around here will know. So he walked down the street a little way, but he couldn't find anybody. Finally, he saw a little boy playing about a block down the street. He walked toward the little fellow and said, little boy, come here just a minute. You remember those people who used to live in that yellow house down there, down the street? Where'd they move to? Little boy shook his head and said, Mother told me you were going to forget we were moving today, Daddy. (laughs) Well, most of us are probably not quite that bad off. But we will all agree that it is important to have a good memory. Strangely enough, the Bible tells us that it's also important we have a good forgetter. In Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Paul says, Forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark. So often we place the emphasis on the phrase pressing forward, but we neglect the phrase forgetting those things which are behind. Yet this is a part of the same sentence, and it's a part of Paul's teaching. Paul realized the necessity of, of having a good forgetter. This morning I want us to center our thoughts on some of the things we really ought to forget. What should we forget? 
Well, first, past failures. If you fill your mind with thoughts of failures or of dismal things, this may become such a heavy load that you can hardly carry it. Some time ago, a man came to his preacher with what he called his scheme for success. And that was he learned to accept defeat as well as success. He was in the business of promoting chain stores. He said, when we build a new store, we do our best to make it go. But if it doesn't, we quit it. The difficulty experienced by a lot of people in starting ventures, he said, is that they will not give up when they're licked. Whenever we start a store and it doesn't pay, we give it a fair trial, but we don't throw good money after bad money. We just move on. To be able to let loose of a thing is very important, he said. When we experience failures, as we all must do, the quicker we are able to overcome these and forget them, the quicker we'll be able to continue a happy and useful life. Now, I know what some of you are thinking now, that there is a sense in which we should remember past failures. Well, okay, I'll agree with you. We should profit by experiences of the past. But the point I'm making here is that if we dwell on these past failures to a great extent, that impedes our usefulness for the future. Some people who know me know that uh, I used to like to play tennis when I could. Although I do own some golf clubs, I, I don't claim at all to be a golfer. In fact, I sometimes have guilt feelings when I realize I've lived in Myrtle Beach area that we call the golf capital of the world sometime. Yet, in all these 30 plus years I've lived here, I've not played golf even one time. Well, there was a time in the past when I tried my hand at golf, though. I played enough to know how it should not be done. I played once on a golf course where you had to drive the ball over some water on the first whack at the ball. Well, I must confess that I proved to be a better Baptist preacher than I was a golfer. I baptized quite a few balls. Now, suppose I was standing there on the tee, getting ready to hit the ball, and you were to come up behind me and say, Preacher, remember this is where you lost your ball the last time. Well, I wouldn't appreciate that very much at all. There are some things that are better off forgotten. Past failures can be a real hindrance to us if we allow them to settle in our minds and hold us back from the future. We all have those things in our lives which would be better to forget. Past failures are those things which should be forgotten once we've committed them to the Lord and received His forgiveness for them. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. Yes, a good forgetter is an asset to a Christian. But that's not all. We should also forget personal grievances. These are just not worth carrying around. There are some people who never forgive or forget anything or anyone. Everything that happens is filed away for future reference. Holding a grudge does not do much damage to the one that we hold the grudge against, but it does eat like an acid and does something to our own nature inside. 
if, if you were to accidentally drop some acid on your arm and it burned into the flesh, this would be quite painful to you, wouldn't it? You would immediately want to put something on your arm to cause it to heal and to relieve the pain. The last thing you'd want to apply to your arm would be more of the same acid. But when we continue to hold in our minds and our hearts the acts that some people have done against us, when we harbor them there, then we're doing something which helps heal the wound no more than an acid on a burn in the flesh. During the early days of the Civil War, soldiers were hastily assembled by both sides. Who would lead these new armies? The competition was intense. Bitter rivalries often flared between officers who were under consideration. Conditions were ripe for gossip, carrot assassination, and backbiting. As the most capable Southerner, General Robert E. Lee suffered much underhanded criticism by those who coveted his frequent promotions. The fellow most jealous was a man named General Whiting, who daily spoke ill of Lee. Finally, General Lee had an opportunity to settle the score. President Jefferson Davis was considering Whiting for a key promotion. But he wanted to know what did Robert E. Lee think about this man. Without hesitation, he commended Whiting's ability in the highest way. Every officer present in that war council was astonished to hear Robert E. Lee talking in such complimentary terms about his competitor. A friend pulled Lee aside and asked privately if he had forgotten all those unkind words that Whiting had spread about him. The record is that General Lee straightened up and replied, I understand the president wanted to know my opinion of Whiting, not Whiting's opinion of me. A lesser man would have enjoyed a taste of revenge, but not General Lee. He was too big to be that small, knowing that revenge is never a sweet satisfaction. Where did he learn that character? General Lee was a follower of Jesus Christ, and it showed. Forgetting those things which are behind includes being willing to forget personal grievances. I mentioned a moment ago that we are also to forget our past failures. There's another related thing which we would do well to forget, and that is past successes. It can be just as detrimental to us to settle down on past successes as it is for us to dwell on past failures. I once knew of a church which had a rather glorious past. A group of members had withdrawn from the mother church and in a wonderful spirit of love, but in realization that an opportunity was theirs for advancement in another section of town which needed a church there, these members moved out to start this little new church. They did so with much sacrifice on their part, leaving behind the beautiful sanctuary, the adequate educational facilities of their mother church. But after several years of growth, this new church reached what they felt was their peak. And when their pastor tried to spur them on to new heights, they always came back with a story of their past, telling him of what wonderful advances that church had already made. 
Paul could well have said, look at my past. Look how far I've come. Why, I studied at the feet of Gamaliel, that great teacher. Look at me. Look how much I've grown in my faith, coming from being a pot persecutor of Christians, now into a new life in Christ. Well, Paul did not say this. He chose to forget his past successes. The hymns that we sometimes sing says it very well when we sing, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. Let me try to sum up what I'm saying this morning about one more thing that we ought to forget. In reality, I guess we could say that if we achieve this, we could encompass the other three things that I've named. The last one, forget yourself. This is one of the most difficult of all things to forget. That is ourselves. So hard because we are aware of ourselves all the time. You ever heard anybody say to another person, oh, don't be so childish. Well, just how does a child act? Well, any parent can tell you that a little baby is very selfish. Have you ever seen a little baby do something that was an act of giving to another person? <laughs> no, probably not. A small baby wants to receive, receive, receive. They want sleep, food, love, attention, affection. One may ask, well, but how can I actually forget myself? Isn't that an impossibility? Well, the best way to forget yourself is to lose yourself in something bigger than you are. Find a cause in the world that's bigger than you are. Then give yourself wholeheartedly to it. There have been many people who have been cured of their selfishness when they found that they had to help someone else. We've been thinking about Paul's statement as recorded in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Let me back up for just a minute and read some earlier verses in this same chapter. In Philippians 3, verses 4 through 10, and I'm reading this from the contemporary English version of the scripture. Others may brag about themselves, but I have more reason to brag than anyone else. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm from the na nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a true Hebrew. As a Pharisee, I strictly obeyed the law of Moses. I was so eager that I even made trouble for the church. I did everything the law demands in order to please God. But Christ has shown me that what I once thought was valuable is worthless. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have given up everything else and count it all as garbage. All I want is Christ and to know that I belong to him. I could not make myself acceptable to God by obeying the law of Moses. God accepted me simply because of my faith in Christ. All I want is to know Christ and the power that raised him to life. I want to suffer and die as he did so that somehow I also may be raised to life. Marvelous words. In this last verse, verse 10, Paul speaks of four things that describe his relationship with Christ. First, that I may know him. Verb used here indicates personal knowledge, not just intellectual knowledge. It doesn't mean the knowledge of some facts or theories or principles about something else. The word means a close, intimate, 
experiential knowledge. This Old Testament, uh, the idea, the same word there, uh, talks about close physical intimacies. Uh, remember in the, in the Garden of Eden story, it says Adam knew Eve, his wife. That talks about a sexual knowledge, a close personal knowledge. She conceived and bare Cain. So Paul's aim is not to know about Christ. It means to have a personal relationship, personal experience with him. Secondly, to know the power of his resurrection. For Paul, the resurrection of Christ was not simply a past event in history, not just something which happened to Jesus. It was rather a living, dynamic power which operated in his own life. Paul experienced the power of his resurrection every day that he lived. The resurrection of Christ was for Paul and should be for us the guarantee that this life is worth living, that his promises to us hold true. It's a guarantee that no difficulty in life or in death can separate us from him. Oh, what a power. Third, to know the fellowship of his sufferings. This idea that Paul presents is one that when the Christian has real tribulation, suffering, hardship, then he is in some strange and mystical way sharing the very sufferings of Jesus. To, suffering, to suffer for our faith is not a penalty. It's a privilege, for thereby we share in the very work and the task of Christ, in a sense. And finally, to be made conformable unto his death and to share in his resurrection. I like what Dr. William Barclay has to say about the meaning of Paul's words here. To know Christ is to become so one with him that we share his every experience. It means that we share the way he walked, that we share the cross he bore, that we share the death he died, and that finally we share the life he lives forevermore. To know Christ is not to be skilled in any theoretical or theological knowledge. It is to so to experience him and to know him with such intimacy that in the end we are as united with him as we are with those we love on earth. And that just as we share their experiences, so we also share his. So let me ask you, do you ever feel that you have trouble remembering things? Well, you may be able to count some of the forgetfulness as a blessing if you're forgetting the right things. Forget the past, its failures and successes. Forget those personal grievances. Forget yourself as you lose your life in the cause of Christ. I know it's not considered great poetry by any means, but the lines of an unknown author sum up what I've been saying this morning. Forget the slander you have heard. Forget the hasty, unkind word. Forget the quarrel and the cause. Forget the whole affair because forget, forgetting is the kindest way. Forget the hurts of yesterday. Forget the chap whose doleful face forgets to smile in any place. Forget the burdens you have had. Forget the weather if it's bad. Forget the knocker and his squeak. Forget him seven days a week. Forget you're not a millionaire. Forget the gray streaks in your hair. Forget the coffee when it's cold. Forget to kick. Forget to scold. 
Forget each kindness that you do as soon as you have done it. Forget the praise that falls to you the moment you have won it. Forget the slander that you hear before you can repeat it. Forget each slight, each spite, each sneer, wherever you may meet it. Remember all the happiness that comes your way in living. Forget each worry and distress. Be hopeful and forgiving. Remember good. Remember truth. Remember heavens above you. And you will find through age and youth true joy and hearts to love you. Oh God, help us to forget the things we ought to forget and to remember that whatever comes, you are right there beside us and you love us. You're going to be with us every day. Thank you for that wonderful truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.